Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian, joined as always by my good mate, Lockie. And we are back with our best 22 episode for the upcoming 2024 season. Unbelievable. And in this episode, basically, we're both going to present our best 22 lineups, discuss the current depth in each position, and even rank each player in the depth chart. It is going to be the ultimate squad analysis episode. We can't wait to get stuck in. But Lockie, first, we need to start where we are always going to start on each episode this year, mm-hmm. and that is by discussing the hottest topics from last week, and we have some big news. Yes. Yes, there is some big news, which I think we're both pretty pleased about. Yeah. Uh, the rumor mill out. was swirling, and uh, it was confirmed that Vossi has re-signed for another mm. couple till 2026, and aligned with that head honcho cookie as well till 2025. So it's very exciting for the club. It definitely is. And look, there's been, I think, a lot of differing opinions when it comes to these re-signings. So, Lockie, yeah. I guess, what do you make of them? And is this that example of stability that I think we've been talking about for years? <laughs> is it ever? My God, have, have we been waiting for this? Some, some genuine stability mm. uh, in the front office. Yeah, I mean... I can understand. I can understand people having doubts about certain things. Like I've, I've heard people talking about Vossi. You know, well, how do we know that the end of last season is real mm. and not the the start of the season and those kind of things? But yeah, for me, I I have full confidence in our three biggest leaders. I suppose mm. in the front office, and I'm so glad that they are going to keep that stability for at least another year. Yeah. No, I think it's really important. I mean, these. We even maybe add Says into it to a degree, but you know, the, him, Cookie, and Voss are the clear three standout leaders of this football club. They're the ones that put together this five-year strategic plan. We've mentioned it mm-hmm. multiple times on the pod how with no none of those guys really contracted to the end of that five-year plan, which I think ends in about yeah. 2027 is that mark. Felt a bit weird not having them all contracted. So now that we've at least got, you know, Vossi till end of 2026, Cookie end of 25. Sayers, another one who wants to hopefully extend his term to the end of 2025. I think that that's kind of the important thing for me. You can't have trying to make this short-term plan and then just not have anyone there, have it constantly changing coaches, trying to implement this. Like that just for me isn't what's going to work. And I I agree with you. There's still for me obvious question marks specifically, I think, around Michael Voss's coach. But I weirdly equally don't see this re-signing as premature. There's always still going to be pressure for him to perform, regardless of the contract that he does have left. And coaches can be fired Mm. even while contracted. So I think just on the positive side of things, it gives that feeling of stability, unity, and, and probably like trust as well. Yeah, I, I remember when we were, you know, pretty down in the dumps midway through mm. last season and w- we weren't necessarily calling for it, but there was questions about, you know, about Vossi and whether we should be yeah. looking elsewhere. And again, it's like, uh, who at that time, and it's all it's still relevant now, mm. who would you rather have coaching? Yeah, It's not like that any of these decisions are silver bullets. You've got a, a better CEO than Cookie you want to bring in. You've got a better coach than Voss. Mm. Nothing's nothing's definite. So I'm, I'm very happy for us to just keep rolling with mm. how we are. Yeah. And I, and I think yeah. just on the, the more Cookie and Sayers side of things, mm. obviously it looks like well, Sayers is ending his term at the end of this year unless he gets it extended at the AGM yep. this Thursday. But mm-hmm. and, and with Cookie now extended another year as well, Clearly, there is a finite time to their journey. 
Cookie's been in the industry for a long period of time. He yes. initially said when he signed with us that he was only going to be here for a few years and then get the next one to come through and kind of develop that and, and just bring that stability to this club before we mm -hmm. move on to the new leaders. And I, I just think an yep. extra year or so of these guys really allows the proper time to find the right people to take over and then keep that stability through with Voss. It's it's just it's so mm. ideal for me. You know, we've we've constantly been trying to move on from everyone quickly as soon as it looks like things aren't working. Yeah. I'm happy that, to yeah. I'm happy to show the show the faith and with the the motto stronger together. I think you just got to back these guys until they prove that they're not worthy. And why not? Why not get that stability yeah. finally in the Carlton Footy Club? Hundred percent. We've been crying out for it for years. <laughs> yeah, and look, I think the other main kind of news it's it's less of something that has happened, more of a look towards the future. And there is a practice match yeah. this Thursday morning, the first hit out really, of the 2024 season against Geelong. Is, is there anything you're maybe looking out for specifically Whoa. from this game? I know that's a big, big question to no. answer. Is there anything small, anything big that you're wanting to see from this game? God, no. Not yet. Oh, my God, Ian. I did not expect that question, and I, my brain has not gone there yet. All I was doing mm -hmm. was looking at how I can uh, get it into my eyeballs on Thursday. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll be able to catch a, a replay of it on KO at the end of the day. <laughs> But you must have something. What's the big? What are we going to be overreacting on next week? See, I don't know. The, the big thing for me was just no injuries, which is so stupid to say. But seeing the likes of Hawthorne and what they've copped mm -hmm. in the last week or so, that's the real just get us healthy, totally. get us through. And I don't know. I'm not sure if there's anything specific as far as like game style, more maybe just individual players. I want to see what Fantasia mm. can do in this lineup. Yes. Some of the new young draftees and maybe even a Zach Williams, some of the guys that we maybe didn't get to see a hell of a lot of last season. They're mm. the ones I'm just keen to see them sprinkle into the squad and, and see what they can kind of add, but no, not a whole heap. I mean, if you're watching this live on YouTube on blue abroad, chuck it in the comments right now, what you want to see from that match. What do you think about the re-signings of Vossi and Cookie? And if you're listening in audio form, wherever you, you listen to your podcast, head over to the socials at Navy Blue Corner, interact with us there. And again, links mm -hmm. to all will be in the show notes. Be in the description. But look, before we get stuck, I think, into the Best 22 segment, we have to mention mm -hmm. an important competition that is running again in 2024. That is the official Carlton Cheer Squad footy tipping competition. Now, Lockie yes. and myself last year, look, we were poor. Our tips were trash what? and we rightfully were nowhere near the top end of the leaderboard. And look, it's all right. We've regrouped. We will go again in 2024 because we're going to win this thing, you know? And look, the yep. lovely team over there at the Carlton Cheer Squad, they've, they've got some incredible prizes. Again, up for grabs. Not only will the first place tipping leader win a 2024 Carlton team signed Guernsey, but mate, so will the people who finish second and third. Yes, you heard me. The top okay. three places. Now we've got a better chance. The top three place tippers will all take home a 2024 Carlton team signed Guernsey, which, look, because Lockie and myself, we're clearly going to take home one of them because we're going to mm -hmm. win the whole thing. That means there are two Guernseys left. So if you think you've got what it takes, want some bragging rights over your mates and, of course, over us here at the Navy Blue Corner, then head over <laughs> to the link in the description and the show notes. Join the competition. It's only $25 to enter for your chance to take home one of three 2024 team-signed Guernseys. Lockie, I can't wait to win one of those. <sighs> We tried so many different strategies last season. 
I we need to brainstorm how mm. we're going to start this because it got tense at times. Mm. It did. Um, we need to stay connected mm. if we're if we're going to mm. come out with this. I, th- I think our problem was we went too competitive against each other, almost rather That's than probably- collective. It's the str- we didn't listen to the stronger yeah. together. There was no stability. We've learned our no. lesson, like the Carlton of old, and yeah, we're going to go back bigger this year. But come along with the ride with us. I'm sure we'll be talking about it yes. every single week on the podcast. But look. Now, let's get into the best 2022 segment. And this is, there's been a bit of conjecture and negativity on pretty much around the idea of the best 2022, <laughs> sorry, best 22 this offseason. Get it together. Um, Lockie, uh, yeah, exactly. Now, I wanted to ask you a question, though, Lockie. What do you kind of think about the whole concept itself and what it sort of offers to the squad discussion space? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it's something that, has been a staple, I guess, mm. for us ever since we kind of became mates yeah. talking Carlton, I feel like. It's mm. always, I guess, a nice exercise to, I don't know, there, there's, mm. you, you can make it, I guess, as objective or subjective as you like. Yeah. I think it's something that I like about it. So, you know, you can caveat with how you want to talk about it, whether this mm. is like, you know, everybody fit and healthy, who do you want picked against Brisbane in, in opening mm. round? Or is it, you know, hypothetically the the best players available so you know i think it's just a a fun thing and helps Mm. us i guess talk about each player as well which is a nice aspect no no i think so and and the big thing i guess with the best 22 like you're saying is you know what do you mean when you say best 22 that's probably the big discussion and as you mentioned we've been doing this since we started the podcast and it's really stayed the same each year the best 22 for us is an everybody fit lineup that myself and Mm -hmm. Lockie would select if basically you almost had to play a game tomorrow and you needed to win to to save your life kind of thing like biggest stakes possible you have to choose Mm -hmm. the best possible team and this is where I guess we're going to go into the specifics as we go through the lineup maybe Lockie has chosen just the best players. Maybe there's some squad cohesion and chemistry elements to it. That's up to the individual. Lockie and myself are going to take you through and explain it and why we've chosen each single player. Going to be very, very exciting. And yes, I want you to play at home. Come along for the ride and drop your best 22 and sub in the comments. And again, if if you're listening to this, instead of watching it over at Blue Abroad, head over to at Navy Blue Corner and let us know your best 22. So, Lockie, let's get mm-hmm. this up here and, and let me know oh, who you. your sort of your back six or seven are if you do have anyone on the bench in that position. 100%. I certainly do have someone on my bench. So, I'll I'll give it to you, I guess, from, from left to right. Probably makes the most sense. We'll give it so, a go. for me, I've got Newman, Weedering, and Saad across the back line. Perfect. Williams, Kemp, and McGovern. Across that line. Ooh, yep. And do you and have Chuck, anyone on the bench, Lockie? Chuck Big Sammy Doherty on the bench, if you wouldn't Ooh. mind. So you've, I guess, first question there is, so you see mm-hmm. this year Doherty more as a defender rather than his role last year being that mid-winger yeah. and forward line as well? You'll see it as a bit of a cohesion piece as we get through this one. I, I yep. find it really difficult to forecast where Doc will be playing this season. But for yep. me, with the guys that I'm I'm looking for this bear 22, I think he makes sense amongst those four halfbacks. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I've gone a little bit different here. I've got Marchbank in my first I know, position. Then I know I've Boyd obviously... is going to be in there too. 
Well, he will be there shortly. Weedering no, and then also Nick Newman. And then Williams and Saad as my halfbacks with Mitch McGovern as my center halfback. And then, yes, my bench spot is Jordan Boyd. So, really, mm-hmm. there's a couple of differences there. You've kind of gone, I guess, Kempy over March Bank, and then we've yeah. gone slightly different in Doherty over Boyd. What is your, I guess, contention there why you would choose a Kemp over March Bank? Yeah, I think just as I think about the, you know, any any kind of tall, like strong, tall duos that we're going up against. Yep. One-on-one kind of matchup scenario. For me personally, I still would have Kemp ahead of, I guess, whoever you're going to put Marchbank or McGovern in that role. Yep. I really like having McGovern in that kind of key interceptor mm. kind of position. Um, so, yeah, I'm interested to hear why mm. you think Marchbank over Kemp. It's, I mean, this is the kind of thing for me, and this is probably where that wider discussion on the best 22 is is honestly perfect because mm-hmm. there's going to be so many stages this year where matchup dependent, I think it should be Kemp over a March bank, depending on how many key tools and, mm-hmm. and we that we have coming against us. I just for me, the end of last season, seeing what March Bank was able to do specifically in those those finals games. I just thought he was mm-hmm. absolutely tremendous. I like the I, I maybe don't trust McGovern to be the the nailed on key defender as the, as the number two. Agreed. Maybe don't necessarily Agreed. trust Marchbank either. So I think having the versatility of both of those to switch through that and the other be the interceptor is probably what I like a bit more mm-hmm. there rather than a Kemp who's maybe a little undersized. But I think Kemp's kind of that next one for me. It's between him and Marchbank. It might just be a little bit more matchup dependent, but I've gone Marchy one because I love him, and then I just think there's more versatility with McGovern there in in the back six. Yeah, no, I, I definitely don't mind that at all, and I agree. It is going to be a matchup dependent thing. It'll be interesting to see, I guess, mm. where we end up at the end of this season talking about this one because yeah. I don't know. Do, do you see March Bank as having scope to improve? Not not kind of relevant mm. to this conversation, yeah. but just more up general March Bank thought. I really think so, really because of the limited football he's had due to all those injuries. Really only got that stretch of continuity late last season. We were so high on him years ago before all of the injuries that have really stifled his career. I do think that there is still a ceiling that he can improve from what we have seen because he hasn't had a full year yet. Has he had a full preseason and a full season? Mm. Not sure we've seen that. If he can stay healthy, I reckon there's a clear room for him to grow, much like a Kemp as well. He's still really, really young. But at the moment, I just feel like the floor for a fit March Bank, I guess, is higher than a Kemp. But again, Mm -hmm. they're still slightly different players. So it will be interesting. I like it. Now, take me through your midfield, Lockie, starting at the the wings, and you can go through it all however, however you like. Sure, give me the Sheriff, Akers, Cripps, and Ollie Hollands on the other wing. Yep. Beautiful. And then across the Ruckman? follower line, big Brad Pitt. Ooh, I must did B Uh-oh. for Pitt in that. There you go. There you go. Interesting. Uh, plus Chez and Walshy. Yes, I do like that. I do like that. And do you have any extra Ruckman, any extra midfielders you want to add onto the bench? Yeah, Chuck, Georgie Hewitt, and TDK on the bench, if you wouldn't mind. Can definitely do that for you. G, Hewitt, and (laughs) deconing there. You're doing very well on the fly here. I like it. 
Yeah, mate. No well, that, that I can spot. Absolutely none. Yeah, look, I've gone incredibly similar. I mean, my my midfield line there across the wings is exactly the same. Gone slightly mm-hmm. different. I've got De Koning as my starting ruck over the pit. But, I mean, it's basically the same thing. Hewitt's on my bench, and then Pitonet's also there. I've gone the dual ruck like yourself. Yep. So, really, it's just a matter of pedantics. Uh, but why, for you, oh. I guess the big question out of that is, why do you believe we should be going with the two ruckmen is, is probably the biggest question to <laughs> ask there. It's probably the thing about my team that I have the least conviction in. <laughs> I'll be very honest. I, I, I've honestly, I think I probably mentioned it last week, I've flip-flopped. That's not the right word for it. Flip-flop isn't the right word. I've evolved my opinion, I think, as the off-season has gone on with this yeah. one. I think in a scenario that we don't... Like, if, say, that we don't have Pitt in this team right now, mm. I just I just don't have enough yeah. confidence that TDK, against a lot of really fantastic Ruckman in the league, that mm. he's got... Like, the, we're going to be using everyone to their best potential in that way. Yeah. I think... I think we want to be able to unleash TDK as spurts in the ruck where he can be really dominant, spurts up forward where he's starting to show like in the finals that, okay, maybe there is mm. something there and we can start causing some problems up forward if all the three tools are on. That mm. That's tasty to me. And I think that opportunity cost versus, I don't know, someone that you mm. might not have in your team, like Matt Kennedy, for example, in, in yeah. instead of a pit, I, th- I, I think I'd rather go the two rucks. Mm. Yeah, I probably my only thing, because again, this isn't everyone fit. So in this scenario, Jack Silvani is fit and ready to play. He really yes. would have been the only other option for, for me. I think DeConing definitely there. And it's mm-hmm. who's that other ruck? And I just don't maybe trust Silvani enough to play that role. It's something I'll probably flip-flopped with quite a lot. Do we like Sauce as that second ruck? Do we want him just mm-hmm. to play half forward? And now you've probably, I guess, you know, I'll just say right now, Silvani actually, spoiler, isn't in my team. So for me there, knowing that he's an extra Neither. tall in that forward line, I don't want Pitt, DeConing, and Silvani in there. I'm not I feel like that's way nah. too tall, especially with Marchbank down back for team sort of structure. Not for me. And I just even though we're pretty uh harsh, I guess is the word on and critical on Pitonet in last week's episode saying that he does still have a lot to prove and will maybe a little mm-hmm. bit down by his contribution last year. There's still a lot of upside for what he can bring being that extra yep. bigger body around the midfield. You know how vital he is to putting on those blocks and shepherds almost acting a bit as an extra body midfielder, I guess in there making those blocks, getting in the way to allow Cripper and the like to not have to be around the ball as much, get the ball on yeah. the outside a little bit more, not be as physical. I still think that's a big thing, and it allows DeConing more time to float forward. I agree with you on all those points, and I think until they can prove to me someone else like a Harry can play in the ruck, that's yeah. probably the best option, and I think that works. And probably the only other thing I'll just add here is – I, I don't want to forget about him. Sam Doherty, I've got basically playing as a mid-rotation, kind of mid-wing, maybe mm-hmm. a bit of high half forward as well. So I just thought I'd throw him there on my bench to round things out because you've already got him there. But I just I like see it. him maybe more as a, a mid-forward at this stage. I like it a lot. We're aligning a lot so far. Yeah. Forward line may have some differences. Mm. Here we go. Hit me with it. So give me Martin, Mackay, and Cottrell. Yes. Yes. Motlop, Kerno, 
and always. Ooh, that's the probably the controversial one there. If if it is controversial at all, uh, I'll just I mean for the sake of discussion right now, I'll add mine in because it's basically the exact same thing. Yeah, right. I've got I've got Mackay, I've got Martin, I've got Cottrell there, got Motlop, got Charlie. Don't have Charlie. <laughs> I've got I've got Fantasia as my yeah. small yeah. forward. There is my basic one difference now. Uh, who do you have on the interchange? Do you have another kind of forward in the mix? What what rounds it out for you? D Cunningham. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That makes <laughs> that makes sense. So take me through why you yeah. have gone for always over the likes of a Fantasia Durden, and I guess why you have thrown. Cunningham in there. What are you liking about him this year? Definitely. As you kind of framed it up earlier, I, I definitely thought of this as if we're putting this team out in the park on the weekend, mm. what am I going to have the most confidence in to perform well? I mean, I was going back and looking at like the raw numbers for Fantasia. If we get the best Fantasia that has played in the mm. AFL, my God, he's in this team yeah. over always for me. But it's just crazy. Four games in the last two years. Mm. Like, think back to when we were talking about when Kerno was going to return, when Cunningham was going to return, when Marchank was going to return. We're like, mm. the bar is so low here. We will take, like, we will take anything with like yeah. that few games in those couple of years. So I just, and this is why, um, I mean, you haven't mm. done your sub yet, but that's another reason why I haven't got Elijah Hollands in my best 22 where I think other people may have mm. him more around it. I'm just I just don't know what to expect out of those two yeah. guys yet. And mm. once it's... I'm very very open to putting Fantasia mm. in this once I see and even the Melbourne game next week. I'm happy yeah. to be convinced just on that. Yeah, I originally was like you and had always over Fantasia for all those reasons you really just said and and I We'll be honest, I don't have a great argument as to why he should be over always off really what we've seen. I know this in this scenario, yeah. everyone's fit, everyone's, I guess, playing well, but we really haven't seen Fantasia play well in a few years. I think what mm -hmm. I am, I'm going clearly on potential and the ceiling of it, whereas always, obviously our leading goal kicker as far as the smalls yeah. are concerned Isn't last year. So really pro proven more than you could really say a Motlop or the others. Really, for me, when I'm tossing up between the two, it's just who do I think can go to that next level if I'm really just seeing a 50-50 option? I always go ceiling, and that's probably yep. where I have sure. them at the moment. Even though I haven't seen him, I have them so close to each other on par, which is maybe harsh, very much on always. I know we had that discussion last week, but, yeah, I love a ceiling, mm -hmm. and that's why I have gone Fantasia. Totally. But yeah, I think we will see in the next couple of weeks just the difference it'll make when you're fit and playing on field. All of a sudden, always could take that next step, kick all the goals in preseason games, and we're saying, what are we talking about? Fantasia mm -hmm. has to work hard to get his spot. But yeah, I mean, good to know we don't have a lot of differences so far. It's it's very similar. Yeah, for sure. And then, I mean, on, on Cunningham, I think it's a, an interesting one. This is another one that I'm very, very open to be persuaded on and challenged. Yeah. I guess a big thing... A big theme for me last year was on role players playing their role. And, you know, guys like Matt Kennedy, for instance, who we know mm. could come into this team and have 20-plus disposals in a game. But 
for me, for that kind of seventh forward, if you like, or that kind of bit of a swing mm. guy, I want someone who's going to be able to be impactful with not as not getting as much as the ball. Someone that we mm. aren't relying on to get heaps of it. Someone that can be impactful and, and tackle and do those things. So mm. it was like, I think Fogarty, like, kind of fits that mold in a way and the club clearly liked what he did last year um but for me i think cunningham is a guy that yeah can have really good impact without having to have a whole ton of it um yeah mm, i think this is where i when i was trying to look at mine i was still maybe a little bit unhappy with the complete forward line uh, and that's probably the double ruck conundrum with it and having both of those sure. players in there i sort of lose an extra spot in my forward line and mm-hmm. i guess for depth looking at the defense you've had doherty down there i've got him more as that mid forward and that was really because i'm just yeah. so high on on jordan boyd this year i think his pace and yep. foot skills is really going to allow our back sort of six or seven to flourish in that transition game i love what i saw from doherty being that guy in the midfield moving on the wing, moving half forward, allowing a Walsh to rest on the half yep. forward line. You know, Cottrell goes through the wing as well. Hollands can go in the midfield. I like that versatility of those few guys around there that can plug a lot of those holes. So I think that's mm-hmm. where I'm probably looking at that high half forward role and saying we've got so many players that can play there that I just have, I guess, higher rated at the moment than a Cunningham. Yeah. We just misses out. Probably the one I, I think I personally had over Cunners was Fogarty that you spoke about, who is really stiff not to make this lineup for me. He's probably the biggest snub, knowing that he's not talent-wise the best player we have, but role-wise, yeah. what he offers just allows everyone else to play so much better. And for that sake, I think he's really stiff to yep. miss. But it's, I don't know, I'm really excited to see over these preseason games if he can just maybe up his game slightly in other areas because I, I, as much as he's great for the cohesion of others, now that we've seemingly got so much depth with Cunningham, with Hollands and the, and the others running through there, I feel he needs a few more strings to his bow really until I'm convinced mm-hmm. that he's definitely in this team to start every single week. But he's definitely around yeah. the mark. For sure. And that's the funny spot that I'm in with Boyd at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think... Like I've definitely, like I've definitely loved glimpses and yeah. like the the prelim, for instance. Like, of course, like if you watch that game in isolation, you're like, this guy's locked on. I don't know. Mm. If I think about all the guys that we've kind of spoken about today, I think he might have one of the biggest floor ceiling ranges for me. Mm. Like the kind of things that you were talking about last week and and everything about him being someone to take a big jump this year. I could see that. But I, I could also, like, Chincotta is another guy that probably yeah. has to be called a snub. Mm. He played pretty much every game last year, um, and we haven't even mentioned him. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I Yeah, I, I'm not 100% sold on, on mm. Boydie being best 22 yet, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'll be very happy to be proven wrong. It's probably my favorite thing about this exercise is it feels somewhat easy, but it's also incredibly tough because, yeah, Chincotta, he'll play through the side multiple stages this year and him not playing also feels incredibly stiff. You don't know if a, if a Lockie Cowan takes a step this year yep. and, and there's going to be a lot of other players, which we will discuss when we go more specific into that when we look at the depth chart as well. But mm-hmm. it's not 
and this is maybe where people don't like the best 22 because they feel we're only going to talk about the 22 and that's it. But this is a jumping off point to discuss who we're rating higher, who's missing out, why are they missing out, what do they have to do to basically break into this team. And it's the most depth I've really ever seen us have. And not in the way of we have depth because you don't want anyone on the list to play in the team. So everyone's crap so they can all play. This is a We've actually got good players now. <laughs> and there's the best 30 or 35 that I'm pretty confident if there's an injury or someone has to step up or you know, there's the selection meltdown of X player being selected, it's going to be completely justified because I think the talent is finally there for the depth. But in saying that, we're allowed one more player as the sub. It's always a contentious one because you can kind of allude to why you've chosen them in the sub for a multitude of reasons. Who have you got and why, Lockie? Just quickly, I wish we could have played that little speech that you just did to ourselves like three years ago. Like just <laughs> go back and play it to those men because I feel like just knowing that would have been like, mm. oh, my God, thank God this is going to end soon. So, um, Boydy for me. Yeah, interesting. Why Not have you gone Boydy? Additional sense. Normally, I guess, yeah, to be critical, which I always will, because Go I ahead. always will. My team's better. Blah blah blah. All that competitive nature. Uh, why have you gone? I guess a defender in this role. When I think most people, when they look at a sub, tend to be midfielder or a forward half kind of player. Mm-hmm. Why is it Jordan Boyd for you? I think at the end of the day, we know that when any injury occurs or any ta- mm-hmm. any change to the team during a game magnets are going to move. So yeah. currently I've got Doherty as my kind of like swing guy. You know, we'll we'll make that work. If a, if a mid mm. goes down, Chuck Boyd in the back, oh, look at that. Doc's got some more mid time and that feels mm. good to me. Nah, it's it's a nice little way to still have that versatility and yeah, maybe we need that impact from the halfback to generate the ball forward for us. I do like that. Why not? I have gone the other Holland's brother, uh, in my mm-hmm. sub spot. You know I like versatility more in the front half for my sub. Matty Cottrell was always yep. my sub, and now he's just too good. To, he has to be starting each and every week if fit. So I need someone to replace him, and it was really down to three players in that spot. It was Cunningham, it was Fogarty, it was Elijah Hollins, and maybe this is yep. too soon going off. I haven't maybe seen a hell of a lot of him in a Carlton jumper, and maybe that's where it should be, Cunners or Fogarty instead. But again, I'm going that ceiling piece of I just think he can mm-hmm. impact the midfield more from what I have seen if he needs to go in there. And then high half forward, I just think his ball use is probably really, really good. I know you know Cunners is really clean, but I'm just really excited with what I think Hollands can bring to this. And maybe I'm just buying into the hype of everyone that seemingly has had oh. their eyes on him in the preseason. But he's got a lot of work to do because he's not going to play the first couple of rounds. And if a Cunningham plays, anyone else locks that position down, it's going to be impossible, almost impossible to, to break in. What what would get you more excited? I know we're not going to get too carried away on Thursday, yeah. but would an elite Elijah Hollands game or an elite Fantasia game get you more up and about? Ooh. I think it'll probably be Fantasia because yeah, me too. I think that small forward's still been such a feels harsh to say problem area, but we still haven't really had that guy we can trust week in, week out to to hit the scoreboard since a prime Eddie Betts and even a, a almost close to retirement Eddie Betts. <laughs> it feels like we haven't had that yeah, guy. Hope Motlop can can step up in that capacity. 
But for what I think Fantasia can bring that we maybe don't have elsewhere, I think I'm going for that smaller forward. I like it. I hope we see that so I can just slice him into uh, this team in post. Yeah, no, so I absolutely love that. So really, there's <laughs> there is not a lot of differences in this team. Are you surprised at all? I mean, like, we're normally this is what we do. We're normally aligned. So let's get the best twenty twos away and let's jump into the depth chart. So this is where basically mm-hmm. we're going to try and lock in a best twenty two combined with each other, which will be quite interesting and then this is where we're going to look at the further depth explain who's probably in contention to play outside of that where we rank them and really just a better way to to look at the full squad discuss each and every player that is out there let me get this up on screen for you all and if you listen to this in audio form and you feel like you want to be able to see the players names see it all better head over to Blur Abroad that is where we are on YouTube now we'll be every single Wednesday night um, it's going to be very, very exciting. So I think let's start at the key defense. I'll try and lock this in. And Lockie, <laughs> if, if I do anything you don't like, feel free to stop me and let me know. Uh, <laughs> key defender, I think if you're looking at the number one ranked, it's got to be Weedering. Are you happy to lock him into that number one spot? I will. I'll, I'll, I'll speak when I'm displeased. Yeah. McGovern as the number two. Now this is this is the bit we need to discuss. Yeah. Is it March? Is it March Bank or Kemp as that third? I mean, You've for me, gone Kemp. if I was going to die on a hill of say this decision versus the small forwards, I, I feel more passionately about this one personally. Yep, I, I actually think the the difference between Kemp and March Bank is more significant than it is for any of the smalls. Okay, look, just I'm my, I'm happy to take. go with you on this one. I'm happy to give that a go. Because really, that's that's probably the biggest position I can see weekly, just changing purely on matchup rather than mm. talent for me. Like you come up against, you know, if, if we're coming up against a Brisbane or a team that tends to play three tools, is, would you go a Marchbank over Kemp if it was a pure height thing down back? Or would you still vehemently play Brody? Yeah, I think for me, for me, the those top three in green are week in, week out locks okay. and bring March Bank in as a fourth if required. But okay. yeah, I, I can't think of a scenario where I'd play March Bank and no Kemp personally. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, who yeah. is your next key defender? Is it Sam Durden yeah. or is it Lewis Young? This is probably the other contentious part. Mm. I'm not too passionate about this. I know that I, I know that you have Durden above Young currently, so I'm happy to go with that. Yeah, I, I weirdly unless you've changed your tune. I'm I'm happy to have Lewis Young above him just because I think ceiling again. We we talk about that. Yeah, last year probably you're a bit higher on Durden because you saw more of the mistakes of a Lewis Young, but. I don't know. The fact that this guy can probably come into the the ruck if you need him to, he was still really good. And we were saying he was the number two the year before, sure. which is insane um, now looking at it. So I think I'm happy to have Lewis Young above him there. And then I guess Dom, a, a Q will, will come down into that last spot. Where mm-hmm. we haven't really touched on the on Young, Durden and Dom. Where do you kind of see them playing this year and how far away are they from this, I guess, starting lineup? If, if everyone's fit or if there are a few injuries? I mean, I need to go back and, and have a look just at how many... Because I think Young actually played more games last year than I expected. 
Mm. Yeah, he played 15 games last year. It, it yeah. feels like so much less. So yeah. I'm with you. I think we will see Young at, at times during the year, mm. um, particularly with Wetering going down. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see um, the mm. other two guys at all this year, I reckon. Mm. I, I think there's Lewis Young maybe is that player that no one's talking about that potentially we should be, especially with the Wetering injury. He obviously still has a lot to show, but I don't know, just... Going back a couple of years, and when Weedering was injured, he was stepping up and yeah. being our best defender. We were all so excited, so bullish on this steal that <laughs> we'd we? gotten from the dogs. It's fallen off, I guess, quite a lot where we're now saying, is Durden higher than him? Maybe we should be really keeping our eye on what he can do in these practice matches. And if he's maybe got more of the composure back that we saw. But I agree with you. I think Young mm. probably has that higher spot and then it's really if there's just injuries and and dom poor yep. dom i just think he still has a fair way to go and develop i'm, I'm not convinced he's ready just yet but who knows maybe he has a massive year in the vfl this year now Absolutely. looking at the defenders adam Saad, your number one mm-hmm. i think you've actually nailed the hierarchy of what i'm seeing there at least for the the top five for me Beautiful. I'll then go Nick Newman. I think proven on what he was last year that you could almost debate and say mm-hmm. whether he's number one with what he's you able could. to do everywhere. But those two there, I think a fit Zach Williams is probably just over your Jordan Boyd. Um, mm-hmm. And this is probably the contentious bit. I don't have Doherty as a defender because I don't think he's really been I, training I there from that. what I've seen. So I'm happy to move him away from that now. Uh, and mm-hmm. then Jordan Boyd comes into this now. Probably should just say, because I forgot to mention this um, for the visual, because you're seeing a lot of colors and you're probably going, what <laughs> on earth do these mean, Ian? I've got, I'm not inside your head. I've got no idea. Basically, green <laughs> is, <laughs> I probably should have mentioned this, at the top. It'll be on your screen, I'm sure. There'll be a key on here at some stage. But basically, the green is best 22. I've tried to even out all the positions as per kind of what Lockie and I were selecting and the many, mm-hmm. many amount of players per position. Yellow is going to be that best 30. I think when you see the names, Mm. they're going to be the positions that next rung of player is in. We can definitely change it as we go. And then orange is more depth. They're probably that just extra step behind the other players. But there's definitely going to be some conjecture. I'm happy for you guys in the comments to let us know if you agree, disagree, what's your ranking. That's what it's all about. This isn't just a... What we think, we want to know what you guys think. And maybe we can get a collective best 22 collective depth chart going for the year. I believe they're lucky that my next kind of depth player is Chincotta. I have him just behind Boyd. Is that how mm-hmm. you see? Absolutely. Like I said before, it's it's crazy that, you know, he was such a locked on guy last year that he's mm. probably out of there now. But that's the nature of bringing mm. Zachy Williams back in. Mm, It is. And the interesting part of this again, and talking about this kind of depth chart is, yeah, we have him below probably on talent, but again, I think the way we've spoken about Kemp, the way we've said March Bank matchup dependent, it wouldn't surprise Mm -hmm. me if because we know Saad and and Williams and maybe even Boyd, is that too much reliant on purely attacking football? Is that, I know obviously those guys can defend, but I probably rate, Jim Cotter's one-on-one defending a little bit more than some of them with his tackle pressure. Again, it wouldn't surprise me if we're going, okay, first few games, if if we were playing the other four guys out there that, okay, we're leaking too much, we're too attacking. Maybe that's where 
only two of Assad, Williams, and Boyd can play, and you need the just the mm-hmm. the defensive pressure of Chincotta. But you know, any of those guys playing, I'm incredibly happy. And then dropping down the depth, I've got Lucky Cowan as my next. Uh, I think that's someone who we've we've probably seen some of what he can offer. He's got a little bit more height as well, maybe play a bit more of that third tall eventually as he puts on size. And, and then I basically, just to round it out, it'll be Billy Wilson, who may play some midfield as well throughout the year. Um, mm-hmm. Big old Carroll and then Rob Monaghan, who I'll be honest, <laughs> I have seen so little of, but I'm just going to throw him on halfback because I feel like that's the easiest spot to chuck him. If he's a running player, that's where he's going to learn the game the most. I like it. <laughs> what do you think of, I guess, that kind of next row of depth? Do you see any yeah. of those guys playing this year? What's their kind of role and ex- expectations around them? Do you think any of them need to mm. break into the best 22 this year? I don't think they necessarily need to. I mean, I, I, it's always an interesting time of the year where we can see like a guy like Cowan could have just taken a big step in preseason. Like it's mm. a long time since we since we saw him last. So you never know, but man, I would be so surprised if. I mean, I, I could see a scenario where he, you know, is a better selection than Chincotta, but if he's breaking above those green four, that would I'd be extremely surprised. Mm, no, I, I tend to agree. We're we're really at this stage, which is such such a positive place to be. We we've never really had this where we've got young guys like Cowan. Billy Wilson, who everyone's incredibly high on from what they've seen in in preseason training, but we don't have to play mm-hmm. them for once. This isn't a Paddy Dow, Lockie O'Brien. We've got no one else here to go <laughs> learn in the AFL. They don't need to play, and they don't need to play not only just first year, second year, third year. We can be like Geelong, mm-hmm. be like Sydney, who spend years making sure that these guys are absolutely ready to go. Cowan's had a bit of a taste, which is definitely a positive aspect wouldn't surprise me if these guys play a handful of games throughout the year if there are injuries and and form I guess warrants it but we're just not in that position where we're desperate for these guys to have to play straight away and prove it we can finally hopefully build their confidence in getting them to understand the game plan and their own football skills in the twos for once again I wish I wish three years ago or four (laughs) years ago we could have told ourselves that that we'd be here Feels good. It's it's good. Now I think we both okay. Maybe we don't. I've got Deconing no, over no, no. Pitt. Are you happy with that? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. And then we've got Pitt, and then yeah, I, I don't have a yellow in this spot. I think it drops off a little too much. So I've then got Hudson O'Keefe and Murkov for the sake really of O'Keefe being. I was a bit more excited about what I saw in the twos the back end of last year and his ability to be a bit more of a marking forward as well. We spoke about it last week where that's that next evolution for the Rucks. Can you play multiple positions? Maybe develops more as a forward. Who knows? But currently I just have him, I guess, higher than Murkov. And hopefully, fingers crossed, Yeah, we don't don't have to see either of them this year because (laughs) I – and that's that's me being positive rather than being negative on their talent. Um, I, I just want everyone else to be fit and firing so we don't need them. Yes, ideally the guys in green are the only guys that we see this year, mm-hmm. and we have the first ever season of twenty-three players <laughs> only needed, and we—that's it. It'd be great. Now, midfield. Excited to rank these. Who's hmm. your number one midfielder? Wow, <laughs> wow. Hmm. 
Who's the most important piece in that midfield for you? Who's who's number one? Yeah, I think it is Sam Walsh. Yeah, I've got Sam Walsh as well. Yeah. And it feels weird to say. It and does. really, you could toss a coin. If if you were really fighting for, for Rick, I'd be happy to do that. I just think <laughs> that, yeah, it, it feels rude That's to say. Close. But what Walsh has kind of shown in the back half of last year going forward, hitting that scoreboard a little bit more. I feel like he's number one, but who knows? Maybe Cripper can go yeah. down forward and, and and be that guy to, to win us games down there. I've then got Patrick Cripps, Adam mm-hmm. Chera, if I can add this in, George Hewitt, then Doherty. What are your thoughts? Do you have one mm. above the other there? I'd be flipping those two, but... Okay, I'm happy with that. I can understand it. Yeah, that. I mean... Like I mentioned last week, I'm a little bit, maybe a, just a little down on Hewitt going into this season. Hopefully, he'll prove me wrong. Mm, yeah, my, my thoughts Can't really were Hewitt's ahead. that more, like he's he's going to be playing midfield. Doherty's a bit more swing, can play some other positions. So that was mm. really why I had him lower. But yeah, I mean, if I mean, one of them, splitting... but if one of them was going to miss a ga- miss the game, I'd I'd rather have Doherty playing personally. But yeah, I agree with and you I on think the nature of the players. Really, probably because you've got Maddie Kennedy as that next one. Uh, I've then got Jack Carroll yeah, to round point. that out as the step below. Kennedy, what has he got to do to take over George Hewitt's oh. spot? We briefly spoke about it last week. I don't think we got into the specifics of what it would take. Mm. Why would you, if you're pitching for Kennedy to play over Hewitt, why would that be? Wow, that's a really good question. Like, I don't think it would actually take a lot. And I think the best that we've seen from Kennedy like is like should be a best way to player in theory like mm. on on the talent perspective that you spoke about earlier like like he should be in starting 22 teams in my opinion it's just that these five mm. guys ahead of him right now are so damn good mm. um i don't know what case i would make what would you make i think i'd probably say it's the other elements of what he can maybe offer over hewitt if you're just saying as a midfielder I would say Hewitt is better. He's a better inside mid. Mm -hmm. I think his hands are cleaner under pressure. It's then everything else. Kennedy, better overhead mark around the ground. And there were a few times last year when we were playing really poor football that he was above George Hewitt in the pecking order. We, when we weren't moving the ball well and you just needed to hit a target to take some pressure off, you were going a two-on-one, a one-on-one in a bad spot, Matty Kennedy, because you trusted him to take that mark and, that's probably the element mm. he can add. You know, there's that he can kind of take a mark down forward as well. I still don't. I don't want him playing in the forward line. I, I don't really like it. But no. if everyone's injured, you'd rather that over a George Hewitt. So I think that slight versatility maybe takes that spot over him. But mm. yeah, it's it's the toughest maybe position in the team for the sake of. I agree. I think any other club, just about, he probably starts in another midfield he will play plenty of football i can't see a world touch wood that every single player in that midfield plays every single game it just never happens well someone will get suspended someone will miss a week with something or you're just resting a player so he's going to play games of football it's just a matter of who takes it and yeah it's it's a nice midfield to look at i think there um last Mm -hmm. one was i guess jack carroll do you think this is the year he takes that step and moves towards more of the the yellow than the orange Mm. on screen interesting i mean i I feel like if if that's going to happen 
it's going to be from those super, super solid VFL performances mm. like you spoke about last week. Yeah. Yeah, I'd just be so shocked if he played mm. more than a handful of games in the yeah. in the ones. I agree. He's definitely someone that the VFL is basically his to run now. There's no doubt. There's no Ed Kerno. It's pretty much yeah. he's the leader down there, which is maybe what he needs to take that next step. I do need to see more from him. I'm maybe not 100% mm. convinced like others. I want to see it. I hope he oh, can do it. No, definitely, you know, hoping he can get it done. He just needs to do it this season. And, yeah, maybe he can start to jump over some of the others for the sake of he's a slightly different player. He's maybe more of the Chera Walsh than an inside ball. Does that allow him uh -huh. to play that high half forward role or maybe play the wing potentially? But... Yeah, it's some good. It's a good depth and you know dilemma to have. You've got to be the absolute best in the AFL to break into this midfield, and uh, yeah. I think that's a good thing. Uh, now looking at the wingers, I think Blake Akers absolutely number one. Ollie Hollands, and then mm -hmm. uh, maybe you could argue Jackson Bins should be yellow. I will say because he has not played an AFL game yet, I've got yep. him in the orange. But I mean, yeah, again, very very. Yeah, there's not a lot between it. Yeah. I mean, you made the point about, you know, those guys are no, no longer in the VFL, like Kerno and Dow and O'Brien. Mm. They were also the guys that were fringe into the ones, which meant that, mm. you know, they were the ones that got opportunities at random times when we needed yeah. someone. So it does present the opportunity for guys like Bins and Carroll. Mm. It's kind of like, well, now that those guys aren't there, we, are, we might mm. have to call on them. So... Mm. Yeah, I think you'd agree that I'd be. It'd be more likely that we see Bins kind of in that yellow slot at yeah. the end of the season than than Carroll, for example. Definitely agree, and probably the the harsher thing on Bins around the wing is just that even though I don't have them in this category on the on the graphic that you'll see right now on YouTube. There's so many other players that can kind of jump into that role, like yeah. Doherty can go through there, Walsh, Chera, Cottrell. So, mm -hmm. Elijah Hollands, if you're desperate, there's so many guys that can play that role that I would say if a Hollands gets injured and Akers gets injured, you're starting to pull from those positions before Agreed. bins at this stage. But I mean, he won the VFL BNF in his first season, which is a really positive thing. If he can take another step mm -hmm. and add to this uh, team come the end of the year, and we're saying that he is best 22. That's really exciting. I don't think it's a negative thing that we're saying they're out of the, the top 30 or so. It's it's just based off what we've seen right now, that's just kind of where they are. This is probably mm -hmm. going to be the next hardest thing to judge. General kind of half forwards. Oh. Is Jack Martin your number one? I feel tentative in saying yeah. that. Who are, you, who are you rating highest? Yeah, I mean, when you're in relation to these names you got there, I think, I think yeah, you got to. I... I do agree with the top two, Martin and Cottrell. Yep, and Cottrell then, yeah, number those, two. And then those three are a lot closer for me. I'm, I'm happy to go with your – I mean, those those four, really. Mm, there's a few. So, yeah, I think Martin, yeah. what he does, perfect. Cottrell, versatility, and we've got him as one of the real ones to watch this season. Very bullish yes. on the steps he can take forward. This is the hardest part. There's honestly kind of that one spot left I I guess I have in this your best 22. And you can honestly, between the four of them, it can honestly be either of them for me. And, yeah. and I, I say best 22. I've actually got 23 players there. I'll be honest. There is that extra <gasps> for the sub. Uh, but 
who are you having, Lockie? Gun to your head. You have to pick one of those four for that last spot. Is it Connors for yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, I guess mm. it is. On and you, you could make an absolute, um, you know, reasoning behind any of those four. Mm. But yeah, yeah. You, you take this one. I got the Kemp. I got the Kempy. See, I would say Hollands. I would be, if we want to put it in the middle. If we're, if neither of us are convinced, this is maybe very controversial. I would have wow. Fogarty over Cunners, so I would be happy to have yep. Fogarty in there as the we both of us can't decide. So um, Fogarty to be honest, takes I, the spot, which is kind of weird yeah. to say, but yeah. I would have Fogarty over Hollands right at this point in yeah. time, just because I go. Well, yeah, I just can't put my money on Hollands yet. Okay, yes. split the difference then, Jack Jack Silvani. Or who? Where do you yeah. see? Where do you see Sauce? If he was fit, where would you oh. see him? That's the big discussion. I know it's maybe pointless to have it now, but considering he's not there, a spot opens up. Where did you yeah. rate him in in the space of this team? Oh, it's so hard because it's so circumstantial to the ruck situation for me. Truly, mm. like it, it it creates such an extra element to it. If if you tell me. Pitonet is not in this team anymore, then yeah. I, I, then you just have to have you just have to have sauce in there, mm. and it's crazy because he's done so many good things and he's been a guy that we've loved over the years for everything that he's done. Mm. I, I think I think if he was fit, he would be fighting for selection every single week. Like it would always yeah, be a absolutely of oh gee Martin had a, didn't have a great game. Do we just pull the pin? Do we, you know mm. that kind of thing. I think so. This is honestly the hardest part of the depth where, honestly, all of those players, apart from Ashton Moyer, and weirdly, give it a couple of weeks, he could be in this conversation completely off an evidence-based thing as well. They're almost all yellow where maybe apart from Jack Martin and Cottrell, it's just like, I don't know, you're all in contention. It depends on form, depends on fitness, really. Um, but oh yeah, I've I've just got them ranked yep. like this. And for now, for the sake of it, let us know what you think, and maybe we'll we'll come back to this once we've got the audience feedback. But it's Martin Cottrell Fogarty as the best twenty-three. Then the next three players are the best thirty in Hollands, Cunningham, and Silvani, and then Ashton Moyer is below them. But yeah, it's probably the most exciting part of the the field where any of these guys could mm-hmm. take that step. Yeah, Good. truly. Uh, truly. Key forwards, almost so Shark easy. Him in. Charlie's number one. Harry's number two. There is a gap, unfortunately, and then it is Harry Lemmy. I think we don't need to say a lot on that. Harry Lemmy just needs to keep improving. He'll be fine. Excited to see what he can do in VFL and take a step, but needs a bit more time. Small forwards. This is a contentious part. Happy for Motlop to be number one? Yep. Definitely. What are we doing? Are we doing always first or Fantasia? I'm comfortable putting Fantasia in there. I mean, even though I said I'm, I'm really wanting to see the evidence first. Like yep. in a him versus Elijah Holland's discussion, for example, mm. I, I know what I've seen from Fantasia at his peak, and I'm just going to have mm. faith that you know everything's going to go right for us this year, and that yep. means that he's going to be like the the bargain get mm. of the season. Mm. No, I agree. And probably the only harsh part there is Corey Durden not in the top 30. It's really just because we've run out of of spots. The only argument I'll say why he is below that is I would say Motlop, Fantasia, and Owies are all above him. 
mm-hmm. there's a gap there rather than it being the other way. There, I think we can all make the argument between Fantasia and Owies. No one at the moment, based off what we have seen, is really saying that Durden is 100% in that conversation. Still has a bit of work to go. But much like, mm. I guess, like a Bins and those other players, mate, give him two games and all of a sudden he's he's nailed on every single week. And what has impressed me with a Durden to, to try and sell him for the sake of it? Last game of the regular season last year, we didn't play well. Tell you what, mm-hmm. Durden was close to, you know, being one of the the better players on the field, really fighting for a spot. He had something to play for, kicked a few goals, didn't play a lot of games. If you look at his return games per goal, it was actually quite impressive for what he did last year. And with that, and being still so young, if he can just get on top of the body and and get that full preseason, which I think he's still at the moment, not in full training, he's sort of on that modified program, not playing 100% just yet. If he can get that Mm -hmm. sorted and start to get months or so in the VFL, the ceiling is still there 100% for Durden. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, yeah, he'd be the closest of all those names in the red to me to being mm. a yellow guy. Like if if we go into opening round and Motlop, Owies and Durden were in the team, it's like, I don't mm. know. That's just, that, I would mm. not be shocked if that happened. So, yeah. yeah that it's, was it's probably going to be... Probably going to be my our last question on on somewhat of the depth. I've still got a few others pertaining to other mm-hmm. things, but we've obviously coded this for X amount of plays in each position to play for our mm. structure. You yeah. kind of alluded to it there. Would you mind seeing three small forwards rather than three general half forwards at stages depending on lineup? Is that something that you believe will happen? Uh, I. I believe it will happen, but I'm not really a big fan of it mm. when we've seen that. And I mean, it's different because these guys are all getting better, like we hope. Um, yeah. So this is probably the best kind of little crop that we've had. But I don't know. I, I just think with the impact that these guys have on the game, like if it was the choice mm. of having one of them or three, I would honestly lean towards one. Just yeah. considering some of the other guys that aren't getting a game. Um, yeah. Mm. If Motlop alters his game slightly and becomes more of a pinch hitting midfielder or pushes mm-hmm. a bit higher up the ground, that would really be the only way I would see it being a yep. first choice option, just given the amount of depth we have higher up the ground with the cohesion. You could almost say Jack Martin's a small forward as well if you sure. wanted to make that argument. Same with a, a Fogarty. But I think they can do a little bit more higher on the ground, which is why we've got them there. But, yeah, Yeah. I think forward half is really the most interesting aspect of what will happen this season. Would not surprise me if, yeah, end of the year, it's a completely different depth chart. And we're going to keep updating you, I think, throughout the year with this. I I like it as a tool to see who's locked in. Who's on the fringes and and where are they on the pecking order if they are fit? It's an exciting thing. Uh, just, I guess, lastly, talking about yeah. this playing list, there's a few questions that I want to ask you before we wrap this episode up. Seeing it all laid out in front of you, any question marks still over the list? Is there a position that worries you? Is there depth anywhere that still worries you headed into the 2024 season? I mean, you make it easy for me, don't you, with the the columns that don't have the the old yellow or oranges. I mean, it's it's the ruck for me. It's I mm. I you know 
I'm sick of talking about every time we do a depth chart discussion, I guess. But um, that's the line where an injury to one of those guys yeah. would probably get me the most nervous, I'd say. No, actually, mm. uh, that's not true. Key forward, if there was an injury, would get me more yeah. concerned. But but Ruck would be close next to it. Mm. Yeah, those two for me, exactly the same reasons. It's just that drop-off quite a lot where I don't feel comfortable mm. if round one, you know, touch wood, this, <laughs> if this happens, I'll we'll end the podcast because of this. Uh, it's okay. If there's injuries to the point where an O'Keefe, Murkov or Harry Lemmy have to play, then I think we're in a lot of trouble. That is not an ideal scenario. That means that not only yeah. are the players in green injured, but alternatives and every other plan is out the window because of it. Fingers crossed it doesn't get to that this year. And fingers crossed, O'Keefe and Lemmy take the step that at the end of this year, this isn't a concern anymore. Totally. That's probably the positive spin to it. But I think those are clearly the glaring aspects. And then maybe you could still say small forward, half forward, if Cunningham can't get over the body issues, if Fantasia's not fit, Durden has the issues, and no one really takes the step, then 12 months later, we're still going to be saying, Oh, is Cunningham going to be good this year? Is Holland's going to be good? I don't want to be having those conversations uh, when mm-hmm. we wrap up this year because that means that the season hasn't gone well. But, yeah, I, I think those are probably the main issues when you do look at it. Um, yeah. And, and then, yeah, probably the last question that I really, really have is just that with the, the sauce injury, it yeah. obviously leaves a list spot open. At the moment, doesn't seem as if we will be bringing anyone in. I think potentially it was like today or yesterday that it, it closed before the start of the season. Oh, is that right? The train on players. I might be incorrect on that. Someone smarter than me will be able to correct me in the comments on that one. But Carlton mm-hmm. have basically come out and said that they're not going to add to it now. We'll take that spot into the mid-season draft. What type of player? You don't have to say an exact player. I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to make you go through the VFL or local footy to try and find a superstar, but we'll go to our favorite segment, the typewriter. Uh, What type of player would you like to see us add to the squad come mid-season in where you're seeing the maybe problems with the squad? (laughs) If you know, you know, the typewriter. Bring it back. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, it just has to be what we discussed then, I think, for Mm. me. Um, and I'll be honest, Ian, I did do a little, uh, the tiniest, Ooh. tiniest bit of research. And who have you I got have for no me? Names. Oh. Zero names. Yep. I looked and I was like, it, it, it's just not there. Like, I don't mm. know if there's a player necessarily that maybe you have one that would give me maybe. more confidence than, say, the young guys that we have who, mm. like, they're just complete unknowns, uh, I guess, for us at this point. Um, but you must have one. Look, I, I don't amazingly. It's probably the one player that I said for us to target in the offseason if we did have a list spot. And I still mm. don't I don't love it, which is why it, it kind of almost shouldn't even be brought up. But it was the the Gold Coast key forward, Brody McLaughlin, in the fact that he was tied um, leading goal kicker in the VFL last year, a bit more mature aged mm-hmm. body in that if we were desperate and needed someone to come in, he's serviceable is probably the best way to describe it. But I'm not confident on that. And I, I feel the best thing we've done is we're waiting on it because yeah. maybe someone throughout the season 
rises as that key forward ruck target that we're desperate for. And and all of a sudden you go, cool, he's perfect. Service as a list spot, whether it's someone that was delisted, someone that maybe wasn't drafted. How many of those mature age recruits seem to come out of nowhere, which is always exciting. Mm. Or mm-hmm. you know, worst case, maybe there's an injury to another position and we're now desperate. Maybe all the players in the halfbacks get injured and we go, we need someone else there. I, I like the option of versatility rather than shoehorning someone in now when yeah. I don't think it really fixes the problem, regardless of who you bring into that Jack Silvani spot. Yeah, that's that's my feeling too. Well, good yeah. thing for us, it closed yesterday, according to you. <laughs> exactly. So we absolutely love it. But look, that is basically going to wrap up this week's episode. Between Lockie and myself, we didn't have many players different in our best 22 uh, Lockie had Brody Kemp, Matty Owies, <laughs> and David Cunningham. I had Caleb Marchbank, Fantasia, and Elijah Hollands. Let us know who's 22 plus the sub you liked. Drop your 22s in the comments if you're watching here at the Blue Abroad channel on YouTube, or if you're listening in podcast form at Navy Blue Corner to whatever social media platform you interact with us on. And if you want to mm-hmm. you know, follow us, stay up to date, never miss anything, make sure you head over to our socials and give us the follow. And, yeah, it is just it is a great time to be a Carlton supporter. We're about to play our first game Ooh. of footy for the season. Very, very excited. And, look, we'll be back next week basically to chat and discuss all the big breaking Carlton news that we're going to be doing every single week. And we're going to give a bit of a review to the practice match as well against the Cats. Look, we can't we can't wait to finally be chatting about some actual football being played. That's going to finish this episode. Up the bloody baggers. See you guys next time.